0: Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. Okay, first things first, I think our band just absolutely killed that song. So Eric and his team, that was incredible. Uh, Let the devil know, not today. Amen. That is what... Uh, That song's about, that's what this series is about. Um, Welcome to week one of our brand new sermon series, Not Today Satan. And uh, the series is not about the devil, but we will explore spiritual warfare. This series is not about demons, but we will name demonic influence. And the series isn't about a spiritual battle, it is about a spiritual victory. The series isn't really about Satan. It's about Jesus and his victory over the enemy. And when it comes to spiritual warfare, we as Christians usually go to one of two extremes. Um, Maybe we never talk about Satan, we never think about Satan, we never even entertain the possibility that there is such thing as supernatural evil. Or we go to the other extreme and we begin to blame everything on the devil, right? We show up late to work and we're like, the devil made me sleep in. No, you probably stayed up too late. Uh, We see someone on TV that stands against everything we believe in, and we're like, man, that person's possessed. Uh, The devil got a hold of him. uh, Or they just perhaps maybe see it differently than you. Uh, The scriptures teach us that there's a balance between human responsibility and supernatural evil. To those living as though what we see is all there is, The Bible teaches that there is an unseen world that wields influence in this world. And to those who only focus in on the supernatural and everything uh, revolves around that, the Bible says to be aware of the enemy, not to focus on the enemy. No, 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 we lift our eyes to Jesus. We focus in on Jesus. We're aware of the enemy and his schemes, but we focus in on Jesus. That is what this series is about. Throughout this series, we really want to get a Jesus perspective on the natural and the supernatural and how they collide and affect our lives. I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and being a youth pastor was a ton of fun. Sarah and I have some of the best memories of those years, and we've met some of the greatest people and the greatest friends um, in our lives. And one of the churches that I worked at had a house on the backside of their property, and... Uh, every Halloween, we would decorate it and, and kind of staff it and make it into a scare house. Okay? It was really it was a haunted house, but because we were a church, we couldn't really call it a haunted house. And so we went all out. Okay? We planned every scare moment, every costume, uh, every little detail. Uh, we made it happen. And then we would invite teenagers and families to come and enter the house and go through it if they dared. Uh, weeks planning uh, At the very intro as, as, as people were at the, at the front of the line They finally got to the front of the line. We'd have one of our really friendly staff People kind of be the hospitality person to connect with the students and the families that are walking through and they'd be like Oh, are you guys scared and you know the, the teenagers would always try and be tough and they're like no no I'm not scared and, but undoubtedly someone would say yeah, I'm, I'm terrified I'm terrified and then they would say some our staff would say well, it's no big deal. It's all for fun. I mean, our youth pastors in there? Like, you'll have a great time. It's not scary at all. And then she would say, and as you head that way, uh, turn the corner and the door's on the right. And as they left, she would get on that walkie-talkie and she would say, okay, Sydney, the blonde with the white t-shirt on is absolutely terrified. Get her. And so then all of us on the inside with these headphones on, we would, we would, to see Sydney walking through and we'd be like, hello Sydney. And then she would scream bloody murder and run. I mean, we made students pee their pants. We made students cry. At one point, one student punched our volunteer. It was the greatest time of my life, okay? We had such a blast. Now, I'm making it sound heartless, but it wasn't really that bad. I remember one young girl who was super scared. One of our leaders, Immediately took their mask off and said, no, no, it's okay. It's all pretend. And, and then they took her to this kind of back closed off room where all the staff and all the volunteers had their masks off. There was a little bit of music playing. There was pizza there. And she kind of saw um, everything for what it really was. Uh, just a bunch of people having fun. Uh, she was no longer afraid. Once she saw behind the curtain, fear no longer held her captive. Once we were unmasked, the fear went away. And here's what I want to focus in on right now. There is always something we can't see influencing what we can see. There is always something we can't see influencing what we can see. And the scriptures declare this reality most purposefully and most clearly in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a supernatural spiritual reality. There is a supernatural spiritual battle. And we're living with a lot of collateral damage. Not everything that's wrong in the world is because of Satan, right? Humanity does play a role, but supernatural evil works through people, but it doesn't only work through people. It also works through systems, uh, institutions, and if you're curious to learn more about the powers that be, read anything by Walter Wink. It's brilliant, and so is he. Supernatural evil is at work through systems, institutions, and people. There is a battle. Now, we know it's probably not like, you know, the red demon on one shoulder and then the cute little angel on the other shoulder trying to tell us what to do, right? But it is nonetheless still real. And deep down, we know it. There's something that pulls us towards good, and there is something that pulls us towards bad. And elsewhere in the scripture, this is often called flesh versus the spirit. And the point is that we all know and we've all experienced this reality, this internal struggle, that it may have an external dimension. Think back on your own life. How come that one temptation showed up when you were most vulnerable and most susceptible? Sometimes, It's not coincidence, it's strategy. Sometimes those temptations show up at the right time when we're most vulnerable. It's not a coincidence, it's a strategy. The adversary of our souls knows our weaknesses. When I was uh, growing up, uh, small town in rural Illinois um, and Leroy and we had a pond on the back end of our property. And me my dad, my brother would go out there and we'd kind of row around on a rowboat for a little bit. And one particular time my dad said, John, let's let's go fishing. And I was like, Oh goodness, this is this is so great. This is my first fishing expedition. And I was so excited. And we got into the boat. It was it was near sunset. I remember him telling me that, that sunset is where the fish bite the most. And I and I thought, fish biting? Like, okay fish bite us do i need to wear some kind of repellent or protection of some sort so that we don't get bit by any fish and this is illinois in the summer and so i put on that off um, bug spray hoping that it would protect me from not only the mosquitoes but also from the fish now the first thing my dad does is, is he baits the hook and he he pulls out this worm and he says hold this john and i hold it and it's a little warm, and he's moving around and i'm like this is great And so I'm kind of playing with the worm and I kind of put him on my arm and I I named him William, you know, just, I'm bonding with this worm. And just as I'm getting close to William, uh, my dad says, John, thanks for holding him. And then he grabs William and then jams a hook through his throat slash body. And I'm just like, Willie, no, like I had no idea. This is part of the experience. Now my dad said, hey, the worst is over son. So he throws William out into the lake and he's like, you gotta hide the hook in the worm. And I'm like, okay, hide the hook in the worm. So we're sitting there and it wasn't long before the pole starts to tug a little bit. And so dad hands me the reel and, and I kind of start doing as best I can. And, and I, I caught a fish and uh, we pull it on the boat. And my dad kind of hands me the fish and I'm just like, this is way better than the worm. I win, I've got a new friend here. And, uh, Um, my dad then grabs a knife and then slits the fish from rectum to mouth and all of its guts fly out. I was horrified. I was four. I was four years old when this happened, okay? I haven't had seafood since. Um, Now, the enemy, the adversary of our souls, like a veteran fisherman, watches his fish, adapts his bait to his prey and knows in what seasons and times the fish is most likely to be caught. Have you seen this in your own life? Right? We're that little fish and we see that bait and it's so tempting and it hooks us every time. He shows you the worm but it's hiding the hook and we've all been there having this internal debate about this particular temptation. Now In a logical debate, the spirit would win, okay? If you're in a room alone and you lay out the pros and cons of making this decision, making the right choice and making the wrong choice, if you're in a logical debate, you'll make the right choice. But in that moment, we're not debating, we're craving. And so we're not thinking. And while we can't stop the birds from flying around our heads, we can't stop them from building a nest all up in our hair how what can we do what's the answer let's read verse 12 for our struggle is not against flesh and blood against the rulers authorities powers of this dark world spiritual forces evil in the heavenly realms then verse 13 therefore see whenever you see the word therefore in the scriptures you always got to dig in and find out what it's therefore okay and it's there to tell us That there is a spiritual reality because there's a spiritual reality because there's a spiritual realm because we are tempted every single day verse 13 put on the full armor of god so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul is saying that because there is the spiritual realm, because there is a battle, put on the full armor of God. And we're gonna go through these pieces of armor one by one. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The Greek word here for truth is aletheia. It It means, Corresponding to reality. What is, what is real? What is, what is lasting? Aletheia. And when we think about truth and how it relates to the spiritual battle, we often quote what Jesus himself says, right? He says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That phrase, the truth shall set you free, we, it's found its way in our culture and society and even in Hollywood. But uh, it's not the truth shall set you free. We're missing a part there, right? Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If you don't know the truth, it ain't going to set you free. Know what is true, know what is real, know what's in God's word, know what we have in Jesus, and you'll be set free. It's not the truth that sets you free, it's knowing the truth, and then the truth shall set you free. And then, in the armor of God, this belt, uh, it's the belt of truth, In the time of Paul's writing, Roman soldiers were given a long strap of leather that was wrapped around them numerous times. And inside uh, and on this leather uh, belt, there was loops and hooks. Uh, There was a loop for your breastplate. There was a loop for your dagger or your sword. It was necessary for every Roman soldier. And so Paul allegorizes this Roman armor with our spiritual reality. And when you wear this belt of truth, Uh, that's connected to the breastplate of righteousness, that's connected to the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You shall know that truth, and the truth shall set you free. And we will be free in Christ. And we can declare the words by the one that we just celebrated, Dr. Martin Luther King, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. There is freedom in Christ. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Next, we have the breastplate of righteousness. Remember, this breastplate is tied to and connected with the belt of truth. Righteousness is right living. It's tied to God's heart for justice in our world. Justice and righteousness are synonyms throughout the scriptures. Righteousness isn't about piety. It's about pity. It's about justice. Right living, right actions, that is our breastplate. That is what protects our heart, our most vulnerable organ, right? Uh, You can be buff like Rambo, brave like Commando, but if you get shot in the heart, you're done. Righteousness, our right actions matter, and they protect that which is most vulnerable doesn't matter how many Bibles you have, how many church services you watch, how many worship songs you've memorized, or how much money you are tied into the church. If you're not living with right actions, if your life doesn't have righteousness, God's justice, one shot and you're done. Right living protects our hearts. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel does more than get you to heaven. The gospel brings heaven to you. That is beautiful. That is a beautiful truth that that is missed often in the evangelical church. We focus so much on heaven uh, there, and we don't focus in on what God can do with heaven now, in us, through us, here. And this peace that Paul is talking about, it's a peace with God. And it's also a peace from God. How many of us could use some peace from God in this moment, in this season, as 2021 begins? And check this out, the the shoes that the Roman soldiers wore were almost like cleats, okay? They had spikes and shards that went down and backwards so that when you moved forward, it gave you great traction. Or if you were being attacked, you could stand your ground and dig your feet into the sand, into the ground, and become immovable. These shoes were made to go forward and advance and gain territory, not in retreat and lose territory. So that they were there so that we could dig our feet in and say, no, I'm going to stand my ground. Not today, Satan. Oh, no, you don't. My strength belongs to the Lord. I find strength in him, and I'm staying here. Not today. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now the shield of faith there were there were two different kinds of shield that the Roman soldiers would use. The first was an individual shield and it was smaller and more circular. Then there was the larger shield and it was large enough to hide behind. And it is these larger shields that Paul is referencing here in Ephesians chapter 6. Now these larger shields they linked together with shields next to them and they could protect an entire army linked together, you form a wall to protect you from the arrows of the enemy. The flaming arrows of the enemy. And these shields, they were lined with a tough leather. Why? Because leather is much less flammable than the wood, the wooden shields. And so the, the, they would link these shields together, and this is called the shield of faith. Isn't that beautiful that there's this that there's more faith when we're connected than when we're by ourselves. That we could do more together than we can individually. That we hold up the shield of faith together. That there's a little faith here and there's a little faith there. And all of those little faiths equals lots of faith. And the arrows that the enemy launches, they're fire arrows, right? They're meant to make us fear so that we drop our guard. But when linked together, a little faith, plus a little faith, equals a lot of faith. And the church becomes this spiritual force to be reckoned with. And it's not that these arrows won't harm us, it says that, that they're extinguished. They're extinguished as we move forward in faith. Notice that the feet came before the faith, right? your faith has got to have movement. That's why Jesus tells us to follow me, not stay right there. Feet and faith go together. And faith is often believing it is so, before it is so, so it will be so, because God said so. I'll say it again. Faith is often believing it is so, before it is so, so it will be so, because God said so. Verse seven, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This helmet of salvation, the Greek word here for salvation is sozo. And it carries with it not only a salvation in the afterlife, but a salvation in this life. The connotation of being physically healed from our infirmities and protection from spiritual entities. There is a this side of the grave to our salvation. Salvation is just as much about here and now as it is about heaven later. And then Paul says we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now this sword was typically more like a dagger. It was like 18 inches long, and it refers to the Word of God here. Now when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, every temptation... Jesus answers him, rebukes him, replies, responds. He counters the enemy with God's word. Everyone. He would would answer the enemy's attacks with scripture. Not today, Satan. So what does this mean for us? It means that we too can use the word of God. We too can use the sword of the spirit. And the word declares that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And the scriptures declare that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful, and he will provide a way for you to stand up underneath that temptation. And the scriptures declare that we are more than conquerors in Christ, so we dig our feet in the sand And we strap on the armor of God and we live the calling and the love and the life that Jesus has called us to to make a difference in this world and also in the heavenly world. So that that when we're tempted to choose judgment over grace, we declare not today's sin. When we're tempted to see and to think lesser of our lives because we don't have as much as that other person, we declare, not today, Satan. And when that one temptation, that one thing comes at the most susceptible time, at the time we're most vulnerable, we say, no, 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 there's a hook inside that one. You got me before. I fell for that once. It's not going to happen again. Not today, Satan. Not today. In Jesus' name.